place, right? We're uh, going to take part in communion here. Um, so if you haven't had uh, a chance to grab your communion cup, make sure you run to the back and grab that really quick. Scripture says this. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which I give for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you'll take the bread... Before we do and take it together, I just want you to remember to take a moment of reflection and of giving thanks as the worship team was singing this morning about not being alone. Do you know he died so that we wouldn't be alone? His body broken so that we could have wholeness? So that we would never have to walk alone in this life. So take the bread this morning and in your own words, give thanks to him for his body broken, he said, for you. morning, Jesus, that your body was broken, not again and again, but once and for all time, for our sinfulness, so that we could be made whole. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done, all that you are doing, and all that you will do. In your name, let's partake. same way, he took the cup after supper. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. There's a couple of things that I want to draw out of this this morning. It's one that he's coming again, right? Now, how many here are um, book readers, right? Or TV watchers, okay? And, and just be honest, how many have to read and know the end of the story before you can enjoy it? Anybody? Yeah, crystals like that. I'm like, you're ruining it. But not today. Amen. And not in this book. As Jesus declared that as often as we do it, he's talking about we do it until he comes again. We celebrate this morning as a celebration, not of remembrance, but looking ahead that he keeps his promises. With his blood, a new promise was written once and for all so that we could be with him. Come on, somebody, let's celebrate just for a few moments with your own voice. Come on.
to you in thanks that this promise is better than our promises. It's one that you sealed in your own blood. That though we agree together with you, it's something that you did on your own for us and it is strong. And we look forward ahead to your return. That we will sit down one day with you in your kingdom and eat with you. Let's partake. Let's worship one more time. Could we worship expectantly that Jesus is coming again? understand. Lord, may we open our hearts to receive your word. We love you, Jesus. We adore you. We lavish our praise on you. And we thank you. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Turn to one next to you and say, I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. Amen. team awesome give it up for our worship band this morning pastor nathan everybody and give it up for our unseen people of our sound guys and our media back there yeah they make all the magic happen they love all the attention i'm sure so this morning i want to let you know again that i'm not pastor gary 
He and uh, Carol are down in Florida. I'm going to say, oh, yeah. They're down there for general counsel. So they'll be down there over the next couple of weeks um, uh, for general counsel and some uh, days of rest. And so you can be praying for them as they uh, have their meetings um, and also that they could take time off. How many know time off is good, right? Yeah, good. That's right. So pray for them when you think about them. Uh, This morning, before we move into what's next in the message, I just want to give a report to you a couple of different things. Man, this last month has been crammed full of a lot of things. Like we've had Super Sunday Family Fun Day. Did you guys enjoy those? Yeah, Yeah, those were great. And uh, so uh, a couple of different things that we want to say. Over the month of July, we did Cans for Hands, right? And if you gave for that, that's awesome for you. Our goal was a thousand cans. And so they came and picked those up this week. We did a final count of 2,063 cans. That's awesome. And then if you were here this last Wednesday night, uh, we talked about voting to sell one of the um, homes, uh, the houses here on church property to um, sell those proceeds to build a house for Garden Gate Ranch. And we had that vote and there was an overwhelming yes for that. So I want to give you that. Come on, that's worth celebrating right now. All right. You guys ready for what's next? Check out this video. We could have been anything we wanted to be And it's not too late to change I'd be delighted if you give it some thought And maybe you'll agree we If you give a little love, then it all comes back to you. You're gonna be remembered for the things that you say and do. So, over the last several weeks in our youth, Uh, We've been going through the Gospel of Matthew, and so I've themed it that God saves by. That in each one of the chapters, that there's something unique about each chapter where you can see how God uses some tool in there, some method, how he helps his people. And so a couple of weeks ago, when I spoke on a Sunday morning, we talked about Matthew 22 and and how God saved in that moment in that chapter. So I want to kind of give you kind of a recap to where we are this morning. We'll be talking about Matthew chapter 25. But before I do that, I want you to think about the video that you just watched. That there's nobody in their infancy, right, in their youth, that says to themselves, when I grow up and I get old, I'm going to be homeless. Right? I've never met anybody that's done that. Why is that? Because these are not things that a person from the beginning naturally thinks about. So whether through life choices or a series of unfortunate events, they found themselves unprepared. 
Have you ever been unprepared for something? You know, you prepare and you prepare and you prepare and then it seems like just out of nowhere life happens. And so, you know, I've prepared myself for a few things in life. But one of those, I've just, the reality is that when I get older, that there's a high probability that I will be bald. <laughs> now, you know, right, if you're bald, it's like your mother's side. And, and my grandpa, he's bald. Like, he was so bald. All right? Like, every, everything. And so, then if you look to my dad's side, well, same, same thing. And then if you look at my uncle on my grandpa's side, like, following suit. So, it's a reality, people. But I'm doing pretty good at 40, right? I mean, just receding hairline. So I feel like I'm ahead of the curve at that point. But there was just one thing that I was not prepared for. I was looking at the mirror over the last little bit. And I realized I have like these wild ear hairs. prepared for this. I knew balding was going to happen, but I'm not going to have no troll hairs like out of my ears. My grandpa, like it was there. But I realized in that moment, I was not prepared for this. And I'm turning into my grandpa, people. And I'm not ready for that. And I'm just telling you, in a lighthearted way, you can prepare and plan and then life happens. So you got to prepare your life in such a way that when life happens, that you can still manage to get through. Because we need to get through. And so I want to share with you this morning kind of this recap of what's happening from 22. In chapter 23, we see this um, message that Jesus gives to the Pharisees, the scribes, calling them hypocrites, like he is shotgunning them. Like the whole chapter is about, here's what you've been doing wrong. You've been living a lie. You say one thing, you do another, and it just goes right down the line of telling them. But at the end of the chapter, he looks over Jerusalem and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I long to shelter you underneath my wings and to protect you, but you weren't willing That's a tough place to be. And right after this, we move into chapter 24. And chapter 24 kind of provides us with some insider information about the end of things. The disciples are asking him, when's the end happening? When is the end of things going to take place? And Jesus um, walks through answering that through the course of the chapter. And so... We're not going to cover everything in that chapter, but just some things to say this, that, that he gives us some insider things of what's happening and things that are happening in the now right now. That if you watch and you read scripture, you can actually see things unfolding. It's not hard to see. But I think there's some things to think about in that, that to understand there are things no one will be sheltered from. 
So in 23, Jesus said, I'll shelter you if I could, but you, weren't un you were unwilling. And in chapter 24, he's letting everybody know, believers, everybody, that you're going to face some things that nobody is going to be sheltered from. So I'm giving you this insider information about the end of things. But when we see those things, not to worry, the, re the return is close, so stay anchored. I really think in chapter 24, it's about anchoring yourself in Jesus. And so chapter 25 is a continuation from chapter 24. But in chapter 25, it really gives three stories that are unique, talking about the end, like in eternity, like moving toward into that. And so it's talking about the future, about being ready to enter the kingdom of heaven. Talks about the faithful attendants, the ten wise, or the five wise, the five foolish, the faithful servants, and how they invested. It talks about the faithful sheep, the dividing of the house. And so there's this tension I want you to think about as we move forward in the message today is if we want to be ready, it must be more than a future decision but a right now determination. We must live ready now. And so let me kind of talk about what each one of these things are talking about being ready and how to live that way. Number one is we need to be ready to enter. To be prepared. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you prepared? Here's what it talks about at the end, like in eternity, like in the final place. It says, at the end, then we're ready for the return of Jesus and entering into his kingdom. He paints this picture of these attendants, five wise and five foolish, and how they were lighting the way, and some didn't make it, and then five wise, they made it into the end, the then, into the kingdom. And so we look at that, and it's not hard to look at the story, even though we see the end, that there's something that we can do in the now to be ready. They were prepared. How many have heard the phrase, if it ain't broke, <laughs> you guys have heard it, good. This is, you guys make it so easy to talk to. This is great. I mean, that's a good statement, right? Like, I'm just saying, how many have ever messed with, like, TV antennas? Like the old ones? I know lots of our young people, they haven't, but like the old ones, you know, you get out the tinfoil and you like scrunch it around and you're like, and whatever is happening in the moment, you're like, don't touch it or you'll break it. We've had those things where sometimes we don't really know what happened, but we're like, don't touch it, don't do anything different, or you're going to break it. And while that's true in a lot of cases, it's not true in this story. Because there's something broken, but nobody realizes it. Now think about this. The 10 attendants looked right. They went out together. They went out clean and pure. 
They went out dressed in the appropriate garments. They went out burning lamps full of oil. They all went out watching and they went out anticipating. Years ago, um, when I was taking my kids on the first turkey hunt, we would talk about going out there and we we're going to get into the, the, um, the, the shelter and hanging out. We're all camoed. We're so ready. And my kids are young at this time. And so we go out there and we're sitting there in the tent because there's no way we could sit out in the open with two young kids because they're making so much noise. I mean, I'm bringing snacks hoping the turkeys aren't listening to these snacks unwrapping and all of that. And so we're out there for a while, and of course it's getting a little bit lighter, and all of a sudden you start to hear the turkeys, and Jaren's like, I hear them. I know, they're, they're, they're close. We start calling, they call back. I mean, he's excited, right? Simeon's watching, and unfortunately we saw some turkeys, but on their first time out, we didn't get anything. And so I asked the kids after we got back, you know, what was your favorite part of being out with turkeys? What did you look forward to the most? Of course, Jaren's like, yeah, we heard those turkeys were going to shoot one and all that. And so then I was like, you know, Simeon, you know, what did you think? And I'm thinking like snacks and all that, whatever. Simeon's like, well, when I got to go to the bathroom out in the woods. So we have one kid who's like, turkey, his mind's focused on that. And the other one's like, freedom! <laughs> so in this story, these guys are anticipating, for whatever the reason, they were looking forward for the groom to return, to take the bride with him. But the five fools, they didn't bring any extra oil. Now think about this. All 10 of them up to this point looked totally fine, but five of them were already in trouble. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Not if you read the story. There's something already broken, even though they look right. And so it's this great reminder to us, like, am I ready for what God has for me to walk into? Whether it's his return or something that he has for me yet to do here on earth? Am I ready for that? Or maybe I look right, but there's something that I'm not prepared for. The five fools were unprepared because they didn't bring extra oil. They were foolish because they didn't have a contingency plan like the other five. They were fools not in the moment when the shout cried out, the groom is coming. They were fools from the beginning. It's talking about the trajectory of your decision making. Right? So we understand there are things in life that we cannot prepare for, but we're all preparing our lives for something. Right? And it sets this trajectory for whatever happens. And whatever happens in the future, the good and the bad, we have to be ready for that. And these guys weren't ready because they had already decided in the beginning what they had was enough. And that's why Jesus said, before you follow me, you must first 
count the cost. And so both of these guys had two things that had happened to them that were both the same. Two unavoidable hurdles that they were faced with. Number one was delays. How many hate delays? Anybody? Nobody else? Okay. I don't understand that, people. I hate them. Okay? Now, I would like to follow every one of you. So delays don't bother me. I will follow you into traffic. I will follow you into the grocery store when you're like, yeah, I'm doing so good. I got all my groceries. And then you walk up to the front and you find that all of the lines are filled like 10 back. And then tell me delays aren't a thing, people. Because they is. Delays. But here's the thing in the story. The groom took longer to come back than was expected. And now that seems like a, a delay like might be unusual. But in the culture, in the context, that isn't totally abnormal. It wasn't uncommon for it to take a little longer than expected. And so they should have known that. But even though in the back of their mind, they're like... Yeah, it might take longer. They still left thinking, what I have in this moment is enough. But I'm telling you, there's nothing more frustrating than when delays happen. When you're stuck in traffic. When you're ordering that package through Amazon. And you're following it and you're tracking it and it's supposed to be right on time and you're watching out the door and then you get the notification, package delayed. Yeah, that happened to me this week. We were supposed to get something on Friday. Nothing happens that we needed, right? We needed it. And it's like, it's coming tomorrow. Shipping delays. Or... You go to buy that thing that you've saved up for and you're waiting for and now it's sold out. How many know we're living in a time right now where it seems like lots of stuff is sold out, right? They just can't make stuff fast enough, all the COVID rules and all the regulations, they just can't make it. It's delays. But more specifically, I'm thinking about even like life goals. Like where you expected where you should be in the moment right now where you're at, occupationally, in your relationships, in your families, just delays. And so I want you to think about this with what Jesus said in Matthew 24, that when our timetables don't always match up with God's timetable. What sign will your signal of your return in the end of the world be? And Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and they will deceive many and you will hear of wars and threats of wars but don't be afraid. Yes, these things must take place but the end won't follow immediately. In other words, when you look around and see worlds in chaos and fighting He's letting us know these things are going to happen and they're going to increase. But when you see them, understand there's more to come. He's talking about delays. Number two is drowsiness. All ten of these people fell asleep. Now think about that. The wise 
fell asleep. But Jesus never noted a dividing over like one were being like more foolish than the other. They just all fell asleep. He didn't, he didn't criticize them. It was just an observation. They were drowsy and they slept. And they were unaware of the late hour, the midnight hour, when the cry came out in the darkest moments. They were saying, get ready. The groom's coming. And that's why it continues on in 24. Nation will war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine and pestilence, disease. Anybody heard about that in the last year? This is talking about, now you could say that's been happening all throughout history, but this is talking about an increase in such a way that's affecting things more globally, not just more isolated. That when you see all these things, famine and earthquakes and pestilence, this is only the beginning of sorrows. And I'm telling you, it's not hard to look around at this world right now and see a lot of sorrow. In fact, it says in this chapter that the love of many will grow cold. And you can see that. The tension that there is today between people, good people, fighting over what's right and what's wrong and what we should do and what we shouldn't do. I'm talking about being drowsy. And in this moment of uncertainty, they were unaware the return was even closer. But yet, even though they were unaware, five of them were still prepared. You can be prepared. A faith that is prepared to enter into his kingdom, readying for his return, ready for what's next. They were weary when they woke up, but they were still ready. And I'll just tell you, over the last few weeks, personally in my life, it's been weary. We were getting ready for camp a few weeks ago, preparing figuring out what we're going to do with some of our kids and where we're taking our dogs and all that. And we found out in that process just a couple of days before that Crystal had COVID. And so because she had COVID, she had to go into isolation. So she's in her room for like 10 days, which meant anybody in the house could no longer attend camp. So I'm not going to camp. She's not going to camp. Two of our kids are now exempt from camp, and they weren't symptomatic. They had, there was nothing at that point. So I'm calling people, trying to figure out how to send other leaders to camp, and uh, we should give it up for our leaders right now that just stepped up in the moment, Pastor Kevin and Stacy, and all of our leaders. Listen, we had a fantastic week. I've heard from our kids, and listen, a lot of that has to do with leadership, and we have some great leaders in BSC, I'm just telling you. And so in that whole process of just being at home and trying to take care of Crystal, trying to help our kids process through not being able to go to camp and kind of hanging out with them, even though it's, it's frustrating because you can't even like leave the house. And in the midst of all of that, Crystal's grandfather had passed away. So now they're having a funeral in the middle of our COVID and she can't, we can't go to the funeral. 
So we ended up going to the visitation and stood about a half a block away while they, they said their last goodbyes. And I'm just telling you, at the end of that week, I was spent. And when you're spent, it's hard. And it's easy to just be like, why? Why, God? Where were you? Why did this happen? But if you read the text, these things are going to happen. Sometimes life just happens. We want to spiritualize it. We want to make up reasons why that happens. And some of them are true. There could be reasons that God had intended for that. So we may never know. But I'll just tell you in the reality of a broken world, stuff's going to happen. And so when life happens and you're weary, you must be strategic to be ready. Strategic in how you pray. Strategic in how you worship. Do you have your own time where you just engage in worship? Strategic in scripture. You need times of recovery, times of taking breaks. We all know breaks are good, but we don't always take them when we need to. And I resemble that remark. I love to work, and I hate taking breaks. That's just the way I am. I, I just love working. But breaks are really important. And there's this tension, especially in today, of why we need to take breaks in this whole last year and a half of this concept of being able to think fast and slow. And it's not just like, like, just two normal words. No, these are actually things that like is a real, like, psychological thing. Where thinking fast is like your natural muscle memory of things that you normally do every day that you just get up and do without thinking about it, right? Dropping the kids off at school, driving the car, going to get groceries, doing your normal things that you just don't even have to think about it. And then something happens that causes those normal everyday activities that you never think about and then you're thinking slow because everything is different. That's what this last year has been about, right? You can't get groceries the same way. You have to figure out where you're going to go eat. You're going to figure out how you get your kids to school, pick them up, do homework with them. It's tough, right? Many of you live that. Some of you are still living in those slow moments that used to be easy. And so the thing about that is, is that our minds aren't wired to think in the slow for an extended period of time. The slow is like where you're focused, problem solving, and, uh, and all of that. In fact, your mind is only able to do just so many few in a moment. And then if you spend too much time there, that you can have fatigue. Mental, physical, emotional fatigue. If you've ever spent this last year and a half and find moments of just, just exhaustion, emotionally, physically, you might be in this category you're stuck in the slow when it used to be fast. It used to be easy. In a similar way, we've been watching the Olympics over the last few weeks, and I really haven't watched much of the Olympics, except I've caught in a few moments of highlights of what's been happening, and one of the big stories is about Simone Biles withdrawing from the competition, right? Because she said she had a bad case of the twisties, and it's not like 
You know, like the song, let's twist again, like you did last summer. No, that's, that's not what it is, okay? I was reading about that, and he was talking about how that in the same way, an athlete prepares and prepares for certain stunts that it's become muscle memory and then for some unknown reason, whatever the, the reason is, is that when they start to do those stunts, they get lost in the air and they don't know where they are. So she would be practicing and she was supposed to be doing like two and a half twists and she ended on like one and a half twists. And I think, oh, that's not too, too terrible. But when you're expecting to do two and a half and you end up with one and a half from other athletes that have said that's the fact that she was able to land at without getting hurt tells you how good she is. In fact, they say that the twisties can be so bad that it might cause the athlete to actually retrain from the beginning how to do that stunt because they become lost. What was once muscle memory has now become difficult. And that's what I'm talking about here. You have to be strategic. And her strategy was, I realize I'm in a moment of danger. This is more than just about winning a medal. This is about my life. So she said, the best thing that I can do is withdraw. For the best of the team and the betterment of, of her personally. She had a strategy. You have to have predetermined decisions the same way in your faith. Those five people, they woke up and they trimmed their lamps, right? They were ready. That's why scripture says that the path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining brighter and brighter under the full day. It says in another place, because the sovereign Lord has helped me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint and I will know and not be put to shame. In another place, let us not become weary in well-doing, for in the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I'm talking about trimming your lamp. And in those days when I was tired and I would get up, you still got to work, people. You still got to put on your faith. You still got to trim your lamp. And I'm just going to be honest, some moments of trimming my lamp might be more to produce heat than being bright. So maybe you didn't want to be a little too close to me. But nevertheless, I'm just being honest. You still got to get up in faith and be ready and live ready. But you have to decide that already. You trim your lamps and then you guard your lamps. They both woke up, they, they went to trim the lamps and the five fools had said, hey, we're out of oil. And they went to the wise people and said, can we have some of your oil? And now that kind of seems insensitive. It seems not right. We look at that and think, these guys are getting ready to go into the kingdom and the other right there are asking for help to go into it. Now, you read the story and then you read scripture and you think, the heart of God is to reach everybody. Why wouldn't they just share a little bit? And if there's any shortcoming in the story of understanding, this might be that moment. Because it's not about the sharing. The point is, it's about the guarding. They understood how valuable their faith is in the preparing. And they were guarding what they had because they wanted to be ready for whatever happens next. And in those moments of trouble, I can't give you all of my preparation. 
and say, here's what you need. You have to have done some of that along the way. I could walk with you, but there's not any replacement for the preparation. And if you're going to make it into the kingdom, in heaven or whatever is next, you have to be prepared. How important is that really? It determines the difference between gold and silver in the Olympics. It reveals the integrity of a strong foundation and a soft footing. It's the objective rule that the groom uses to judge whether you're worthy to enter his kingdom or depart. Preparation. Listen, I've seen too many people that have failed in this moment. They failed to prepare their lives for the success God was planning to bring for them. They didn't get their hearts ready. There was success that they walked into and while they were successful in what they were doing, it affected them to where eventually they fell because they weren't able to manage that. I've seen too many people waiting occupationally or maritally for contentment, forgetting to prepare their faith along the way, looking for that next job or that dream job or for that dream relationship. Listen, it all comes out of your relationship with him. That's why Paul said, and I've learned in every circumstance to be content. It's not about whatever's next. It's about right now in this moment. And if you can't live content in this moment, you won't be content in that one either. They expect to enter the God's plan for them, but they haven't prepared their soil of their heart for what God was wanting to plant. They knew God was wanting to use them, but they weren't willing to do anything but just say, here I am, Lord. That's a bad place to be. And that's only point one, people. You need to be ready to offer. The second part of the story is the ones who were like the five talents, the three talents they give and they invest and the master comes back and he comes to collect. They need to be ready to offer. And if you're wanting to be ready to offer when you get to the final place into the kingdom where rewards are given out, it's about investing today. If you want to enter into that joy, you have to enter into the joy today. This is a long-term investment. And so there's some important components that I want to share with you just briefly. It's the importance of the commodity. Now think about this. He gave them talents according to their ability. Five to one, two to another, and one to another. Now, a talent is a unit of measure. And he doesn't tell us what he gave them actually. But we think in terms of like, it's got to be the best. Like gold, silver, bronze. Now think about what if in today's market he were to give them these. A talent is 75 pounds of whatever it is. If it were bronze, the five-talent person would have been given equivalent to about 1,800 bucks. If it were silver, it would have been $122,000. If it were gold, it would have been equivalent to $7.6 million. 
hallelujah. I, I know I'm five talent, right? Just give it to me. I'm just kidding. All right. Two talents. if it was silver. If it was gold, $3 million. That's if it was today. Even the one talent person would have been given $375. And I don't know about you, but that's still something, right? If it was silver, $24,000. If it was gold, $1.5 million dollars. Now we read this story and we compare who gets what and am I a one or a two or a five? But that's not what this is about. It's about whatever God gives you, investing it. They realized what they possessed wasn't theirs and two of them invested and one of them buried it. Now, There's the important choice that the master gives. He gives according to our ability. He gave to his servants, listen, because he trusted them, right? They were his servants, and so he gave them gifts and abilities and resources to go out and to invest. And so whatever you are, wherever you find yourself, whether you feel like you're a 5-2-1, you still got gifts, and that's something, And the gifts that God has given you, whether it's talent, ability, resources, is yours because he trusts you with it. So use it and invest it. Because it must produce the right response. Having those things is not enough. That's why there's these important principles I want you to think about. The principle of that God is expecting a return on your life. The investment that you base on excess is not investing at all. People think if I just had a little bit extra, then I'll give. No. Look in the story. Five gave all. Two gave all. One buried all. He's talking about giving all. And if you don't take a risk, there's no return. Listen, your life is an offering. Here's why I think that God didn't say what kind of unit or what he gave them, gold, silver, bronze, whatever it was. It's because it wasn't about the substance. It's about what they did with that. And listen, I think it's really more about the person than about the product. It's about our lives. He's not interested in your gold, silver, or bronze and your gifts. He's interested about you, people. He wants you. The point of this story is you are highly valued. He loves you. And the only way that's going to seem good to you is for you to say with your life, I'm putting it all down. I'm taking all of my chips and putting it down on the roulette table of God and saying, I'm all in. That's where the joy is. That's where the return comes. 
is by saying, have it all. Your hopes, your dreams, your talents, your thoughts, your attitudes, your conversations, your disappointments, your expectations, your fears, your worries, your anger, your hurts, your shortcomings, your mind, your eyes, your relationships, your money, your success stories, your failures, your unforgiveness, and maybe even your deficiencies and your illness. Yes, he wants it all. Whatever you got, bring it to him. Invest it in him and say, God, multiply it. That's what he's talking about here. Ready to offer. And that comes by giving all now. Now listen, the good and faithful, they worked their lives to hear, well done. They worked offensively. They invested, right? But the last guy, he waited to hear, well done. A defensive faith. And that just didn't work. And he did that for this one reason. When the master came to him, he said, I knew you were a hard person, so I took what you gave me and I buried it so I would have something to give to you. The problem isn't that he didn't have something. The problem is, is his viewpoint of the master. He said, you're a hard person. You're a hard boss. And so I read this story and I think to myself, did he really even know him? And the answer is no. And so if you're in a place of burying things in your life, this is your moment today to dig it up and unbury it and brush it off and invest it in him because he is good, he is kind to all. He's so good. How you view God is how you'll invest. Not working to mess up because you will mess up. So keep investing. It's not about the profit. It's about making the good choice, investing in God. It's about leveraging what you have for the kingdom. And that word leveraging isn't about being an overachiever with what you have. It's simply about being faithful with what you have. So leverage it. And then number three, if I have Pastor Nathan come, ready to take. He divides the house at the end between the, sh the sheeps and the goats, right? And he tells the sheep this. He said, come and take the inheritance that I have prepared for you before the foundations of the world. God has prepared something for us to give to us before the world was ever made. And we think about we're close to the end. How long has he waited to give us this good gift? I mean, just stop and just meditate on that right there. So he divides the house with this guideline of who's in and who's out. 
He said, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous said, when did we do this? And he says, and as much as you did it to those, you did it to me. Now, if you read scripture, you know that the ones who get in, get in by faith. Faith alone. But your faith is not detached from how you live your life. It has to show up in your kindness, in your compassion, and that, quite frankly, is what God's people in that moment when Jesus was talking to them lacked. They were all rules and no compassion. They missed him. But I want you to think about these couple of truths. It doesn't matter who's standing at your door. They're worth showing kindness to. It doesn't matter who's coming to your house. You treat them like you would treat Jesus. Now, if you read some translations, like the NIV says it this way, and in some ways you did it for me, but many of the other translations says, if you did it, it's like doing it to me. And now that might be seeming like you're splitting hairs, right? Because you can still get the same results of showing kindness. But I think it could help us this morning. Because if I do something for somebody, it's like I'm taking Jesus with me. And the object is just the person. But if that person is Jesus, no matter where I go, Jesus is already there. And it becomes less about the conversation that I'm looking for. It becomes about the compassion and the kindness that I'm giving. And when we share our faith and we, and we deal with difficult people, we think about the responses that people give to us. But think about it in this way, that person is Jesus. And if you can picture the divine sitting across the table, that changes the way that you look. And it's not about whether they say the right things or they find faith or if they're even like mean and nasty or whatever. It's about giving kindness to them because that person is a part in eternity. And they matter. And if you can remember that, you'll enter into that inheritance that he's talking about. That's tough. And this last piece that I want to leave with you this morning is this. Matthew chapter 4 talks about famine and pestilence and um, people going into prison. And then... I read in this last part of the story about that group that Jesus is talking about, those same things are, are in that list. And then I think about today, as we're living in 24, there's difficulty, there's an increase of sorrow, there's kingdom of fighting against kingdom, there's a lot of turmoil involved. And in those moments, it's easy to conserve and to pull back and to think about, I gotta worry about me and what's next. But I want you to think about 25. 
that in the midst of the chaos, God is still wanting us to reach. And there's going to be these incredible moments, I believe this, that there will be people that will be hurting and hungry and thirsty spiritually or physically. And we are the ones that are trying to help them to find their way home. And if we can keep our eyes in 25, we're going to help a lot of people in 24. We're the torchbearers lighting the way home into the kingdom. If you'll stand with me right now this morning. This morning as we get ready to close and Pastor Nathan leads us in worship, I just want to challenge you with this. That if you're here this morning and you're living your life in the spiritual moment to change that for yourself, to live your life to be ready for whatever God has for you next ready to go home or ready to enter into that next phase of whatever he has for you in this moment. Let this be a refueling moment for you. If you've been a poor steward this morning, burying your talents, this is your day to begin fresh and anew. Dig it up, brush it off, invest your life in him. And if you're struggling with difficult people, just picture that's Jesus across the table. And it's not about the difficulty that they give back to you. It's about despite whatever people give, I'm going to give it away anyway. The life of God. And if that's any of you this morning, as we get ready to worship, I want you to audibly confess that to him and say, God, I need you to prepare me for what's next, to invest and to be ready to take whatever you have for me. Can we do that this morning? Come on, let's worship together one last time. Can't go back to the beginning I can't control what tomorrow will bring But I know here in the middle the place where you promised to be. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Because all I want is all you are. Let your love rise above every fear Like the sun shaping the shadow oh, In my weakness your glory i
Listen, this morning, God already knows that what you have is not enough without him. But listen, wherever he's leading you, think about what he said this morning. He's already there. It's not about you taking him with, but to know that whatever you walk into, he's already there. He's working in those places too. And no matter what happens, if it goes like you plan or it doesn't, he's still on the throne. He's still walking with you and he will still help you. Come on, right? Lord, I pray right now this morning, whatever you're doing, whatever you've done, Lord, I pray God that you would help us to be ready for whatever's next. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm ready. All right. Have a great Sunday.